Konnichiwa! And that is the last time I'm going to try to say anything Japanese on this episode of the podcast devoted to the classic or sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. It's Monster Kid Radio. My name is Derek M. Cook, your writer, host, and producer, and I'd like to welcome you to the show. This week, we are getting our kaiju on. Sometimes I feel like I don't talk about kaiju enough here on Monster Kid Radio. Part of it is because there are so many other amazing kaiju podcasts and outlets out there, and I don't know what I'd bring to the table. But then I remember, I've got a lot of friends who know a lot about kaiju, and a lot of friends who produce content about kaiju, sometimes for our show here. Okay, actually, he's been doing it for a little while. I'm talking about Mark Matsky, the man behind the Beta Capsule Review. And this week, he's coming onto the show for a debrief about G-Fest, which is a convention that I've never been to, so I've always had to experience G-Fest secondhand, always through somebody else's podcast or YouTube video or a blog entry or just chatting with them on Facebook or whatever. Well, this time I'm getting as close to G-Fest as I possibly can without actually going myself because I've got longtime attendee Mark here to tell us all about what G-Fest is and what his G-Fest experience was like. I can't wait to get into that conversation. Mark is a great dude. Haven't had a chance to really chat with him as much as I'd like. So him taking some time out of his day to chat with me about G-Fest, just, it was awesome. And I can't wait to get to that. And, you know, Mark, (laughs) he could have easily taken the week off. He's the featured conversation on this week's episode. But no, Mark doesn't know how to ultra stop as he ultra continues his beta council review, looking at Ultra 7. Seven. Seven. Doing it again. Anyway, we've got the beta capsule review. Plus, let's get some more kaiju action on when Kenny revisits a segment that he once did for the Monster Kid movie stream about kaiju collectibles in his look at famous monsters of film land. So that's all coming up this week on the show. Oh, let's talk about the music that we're playing right now. Normally, I'll let you know at the top. I'll let you know right now. The song is called Red Tsunami. It's from the band Daikaiju. Figured it was fitting to play something from the band Daikaiju this week on the show. Daikaiju is a surf band based out of Huntsville, Alabama, and they've got a show coming up in August in Dallas, Texas at Three Links, August 22nd. Go check them out. Let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. You'll hear this song in its entirety at the end of the show. But first, the Beta Capsule Review, look at Famous Monsters of Filmland, and the featured conversation with Mark. Let's roll into it right now. Go, go, God. So I can't say that. It's a copyright thing, isn't it? It's 1966. The space race is on. The Cold War is heating up. And giant monsters are destroying Japan. Dai Kaiju Attack. The serialized giant monster story. Presented free every week on DaikaijuAttack.com and SDSullivan.com. Become a member of the Daikaiju Attack group on Facebook. Join the action today. 
out of the polluted waters it came to become the most fearful menace that ever threatened mankind. Feeding, growing ever more deadly on smog, only one force dared stand up to its overpowering evil. Godzilla! Godzilla versus the smog monster. Will Godzilla, man's friend, be vanquished? More than 1,600 dead have been reported, while other casualties are expected to exceed 30,000. tank of the Japan Oil Company has exploded. Nothing man can do can stop the smog monster. Can Godzilla save the Earth from this mastodon of destruction? Blood-chilling science fiction shockers, Island of the Burning Damned, and Godzilla's Revenge. In this quiet setting, a tale of prehistoric horror is about to unfold with a science-battling awakening of long-gone giants. Fighting amongst each other for the conquest of our planet. See the giant spiders spin their web of fear around their enemies. Godzilla's revenge knows no limit. No end. No stopping. See man's last attempt at saving humanity from destruction. And Godzilla's revenge. on the same shock field program, Island of the Burning Dam. What is that strange noise and burning white heat that drove people to their death? I have been convinced that this island has become the center of an invasion, the central landing point for beings from another planet. What happens when an unknown power from outer space uses our radar signals as life-saving beacons to bring it to Earth to consume our energy? Island of the Burning Damned, an island desperate for help. Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. Ultra Guard member Soga's friend Nogawa 
a TDF communications expert, has happy news to share. He's engaged to his sweetheart, Sanae, but his joy is interrupted by an alien abduction in episode 27 of Subaraya Productions Ultra 7, entitled The Human Cyborg. When Sanae is recovered in the woods of the Asahinama region, Soga and Dan rush to her side and they hear her repeating Nogawa's name, but their search for him proves unsuccessful. That's because he has been held captive aboard a flying saucer and through a series of procedures transformed into a double agent for alien Borg. After reappearing to Sanae to say a final goodbye, Nogawa, now himself a partial cyborg, returns to TDF base. His demeanor seems suspicious to Dan, and it isn't long before the entire Ultra Guard observes him planting small bombs throughout the TDF interior. In a direct confrontation, Nogawa mercilessly beats Dan until he is dropped by a disabling taser shot from Soga's gun. X-rays show that Nogawa has a control apparatus implanted in his brain, and Anne participates in surgery to remove it. While in recovery, he names the location of the Borg spacecraft, and the Ultra Guard moves to destroy it. Soga and Furuhashi locate all the bombs planted by Nogawa, except one, the one attached to Dan's boot during their scuffle, and Dan still lies in the TDF infirmary with 10 minutes to go before detonation. The Human Cyborg offers a welcome change of pace from a visual standpoint, with lots of on-location filming in the mountainous Japanese countryside, and even a daytime battle with alien Borg, whose final form resembles a sleek suit of armor. While there are no major revelations in the story, it moves at a brisk pace, and there are some genuinely unnerving moments, such as the scene in which a cyborg, Nogawa, returns to his fiancée, Sanae, entering the room as a literal shadow of his former self. The epilogue of episode 27 takes place at a Christian chapel, as Sanae and Nogawa are finally united in marriage. This brings to light what was, in the late 60s, a growing trend in post-war Japan, a Western-style wedding, a trend that has only grown in popularity since then, even though only 1% of Japanese people identify as Christian believers. Scenes and images like this are sprinkled into many Ultra series, quite likely a reflection of Eiji Tsuburaya's worldview as a baptized Roman Catholic. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. It's a monster marathon! Now all in one gigantic show. Three of the newest and most exciting monster hits starring Earth champion and protector Godzilla. First, thrill the Godzilla Monster Island with more monsters than have ever appeared on the screen at one time. Then it's the action-packed Godzilla versus the cosmic monster. And finally, the classic Godzilla versus Megalon. All three in one colossal show. Rated Pounding across the motion picture screen comes the most terrifying monster of them all. Gamera, the Invincible. Gamera, the super monster that even the H-bomb cannot destroy. Gamera, the Invincible. Gamera, consuming raw atomic power. Power to destroy entire cities. Open fire! Man's most destructive weapons have no effect on Gamera, the Invincible. The mightiest nuclear weapons ever devised are powerless against... Gamera, the Invincible. 
Is humanity doomed? Will the world be destroyed? The United Nations is called to emergency session in a last desperate effort to save the world. We have one plan that we think might work. We have discussed Plan Z with the Japanese authorities, and they agree it is the best of our alternative plans. Is that correct, sir? That is so. Plan Z is hope of the world. A cast of thousands at the mercy of the most terrifying monster that ever lived. Brian Donlevy as General Arnold. is beyond comprehension. He must be stopped now. Albert Decker as the Secretary of Defense. Will Plan Z stop Gamera? Gamera, the Invincible. Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today we are looking at Chicago's KaijuCon G-Fest with my fellow segment producer Mark Maskey. In honor of that, I have pulled out a video segment I produced for a virtual KaijuCon Monster Kid Radio Twitch stream in the early days of COVID. I have chosen the last segment as it talks about one of the main reasons we love going to conventions, collectibles. Derek will put the link to all the segments on YouTube in the show notes. If you want to see the history of Kaiju and FM, check out all five segments, edited together with trailers. Here we go with the audio from segment five. Konnichiwa, Kaiju fans! This is Kenny from Monster Kid Radio with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. We are going through the history of Kaiju and FM. In this segment, we will see Kaiju Collectibles, Japanese monster stuff available in the back pages of Famous Monsters. The first item to be featured in FM was the Aurora Godzilla Plastic Model. He first appeared in issue 29 from July of 1964. The model would be available off and on for the entire run of Famous Monsters. Monster from a million years ago. Now you can build a perfect replica of this ancient terror monster. His massive feet smash cities. His fantastic paws are always ready to strike with the force of a hurricane. Next item up for sale was Varan the Unbelievable 200-foot 8mm movie. Varan came from a world below to terrorize, to destroy, to revenge. From the makers of such classics as Godzilla, Rodan, and the Mysterians comes the fantastic Varan, only $5.95. It showed up in issue 32 from March of 1965 and was a regular item available for the run of FM. Soon thereafter, the 8mm highlight film for Rodan appeared and graced the pages of FM for a long time. Rodan the Flying Monster. From prehistoric times, a monster is born again to plague the earth. See the terror of the skies. See the destruction of cities. Watch with horror as this monster flies over the earth, terrifying nations. See the forces of man fight and finally conquer the terror that would destroy earth. Only $5.95. Rodan first appeared in FM 34 from August of 1965. Kaiju collectors had to wait eight years for a new item to be offered. In FM 95 from January of 1973, three new 8mm movies became available. Godzilla vs. The Thing Grotesque battle between Godzilla, fire-breathing reptile, and monster moth, Mothra. The moth protects her progeny, Egg, from which two monstrous caterpillars emerge. 200-foot reel, 695. Battles of Ghidra. 
amazing and horrifying Ghidra, the beast with three heads, spine-chilling triple threat, unbelievably realistic, prehistoric action like you've never seen before, 200-foot reel, only $6.95. Ghidra, a giant prehistoric monster battles other creatures of a bygone era when awesome beasts ruled the earth. The superhuman action is incredible. This fantastic super creature film must be seen to be believed. Terrifying special effects. 200 foot reel, only $6.95. Two years later, in FM 121, three new movies were made available. Destroy All Monsters. Mothra, Godzilla, Rodan, Ghidorah. Together in a terrifying simultaneous assault on mankind. Super 8 color plus sound, $24.95. Monster from a prehistoric planet. A giant octopus and a family of winged griffin-type furies menace Japan with destruction. Super 8 color sound, $24.95. Frankenstein conquers the world. Hiroshima. A strange boy who has the grafted monster's heart grows 60 feet and fights Baragon. Black and white, Super 8 sound, $19.95. The next issue, 122 from January of 1976. Two new plastic models were put up for sale, Rodan and Ghidra. Rodan, 100 tons of radioactive terror. Released from the bowels of the earth by an atomic blast, he flaps over the earth at twice the speed of sound. Science calls him a giant prehistoric monster, a pterodactyl with a wingspan of 500 feet. But could a pterodactyl raise cities with supersonic shock blasts? Earth's armies trace the menace to its breeding ground and destroy it. But now you can have an eight and a half inch replica of this winged marauder and build it yourself. Just snap together the rust colored, highly detailed pieces of heavy duty molded plastic. Follow the instructions, and soon Rodan crouches before you on his movie set display stand. His clackboard nameplate states his name Rodan, the winged menace from the center of the earth, the supersonic destroyer from Japan, Aurora's Monster Kit 395. Ghidra, the triple threat monster from outer space, a fire-breathing, wing-flapping, scaled horror. His three flame-throwing heads make him thrice as dangerous. Now build your own three-headed horror with this Aurora hobby kit. The olive-colored, heavy-duty plastic pieces snap together to form a fierce, ferocious, eight-and-a-half-inch tall monster, intricately detailed and ready for action. Swiveling heads and tails create lifelike movement. Paint him, fly him around your room, or settle him on his movie set display stand with a clapboard nameplate. A complete film history of the monster is included when you buy this exciting kit. Ghidra, now you can have a detailed replica you built yourself. $3.95. An interesting one-issue giveaway was offered in issue 144. Famous Monsters Magazine is giving away 500 free Godzilla records. All you have to do is answer this questionnaire. Nothing to buy. No one to buy with, no hard puzzle to solve. Just an easy opportunity for you to receive, absolutely free, the new 45 RPM hit record by the Blue Oyster Cult, Godzilla. Yes, Godzilla can be yours, right in your own home, to entertain you for years to come whenever you want to take him out and give him a spin. In order to win, all you have to do is fill out the following fascinating questionnaire and be among the first 500 to send it in. Oh, Godzilla! What an opportunity, what a treat. And be among the lucky first 500 to get your free record and give Godzilla a whirl. In issue 167 from September of 1980, 
In middle of the enormous Star Wars craze, another new Godzilla item became available, a vinyl LP. Godzilla King of the Monsters. Now for the first time, you can be thrilled by the exploits of Godzilla. Imagine the famous monster pitted against the Amphibion in a battle to the death in the mysterious Bermuda Triangle. Then he saves the world from an alien invasion. Order now, $2.98. With only six issues left to finish the classic run, FM released one last Godzilla item for collectors, a 55-piece Godzilla playset. Just imagine the exciting battles you can stage between Godzilla and the Tricephalon monster. Set includes missile firing destroyer, 30 by 30 inch poly play sheet, and diorama set for making bridge, trees, diner, silo, and two different background scenes. One of city docks, one of crumbling skyscrapers. Instructions included, $8.50. That is all for this video look at the history of kaiju in famous monsters. For MKR, this is Kenny saying sayonara. King Kong versus Godzilla. Nothing you've ever seen can equal the thrills of this extraordinary motion picture. Nothing you've ever felt can equal its awesome fury as the mightiest monsters of the ages clash in the battle of the century. It sears the emotions with shock and terror. It staggers the imagination. All new in color. King Kong versus Godzilla. Warning, Godzilla versus The Thing, a shattering motion picture, not for the weak of heart. Here in all its astounding realism is a soul-shocking experience. How much terror can you stand? What was this thing of unbelievable and unequaled terror that challenged Godzilla to a battle of unhuman strength versus supernatural evil? Godzilla versus The Thing. See the war of the giants. See the birth of the world's most terrifying monster. See armies of the world destroyed by the thing. The producers of Godzilla vs. the Thing issue warning to those who cannot take its full horror. To you with guts, you must see Godzilla vs. the Thing from the beginning in color scope from American International. All right, I'm recording now. All right. You know, let's, let's just dive right into it. Okay, let's, I'll do a countdown. We'll do this. Three, two, one. Okay. Listeners, I, I had to stop Mark for a second because he's about to tell me how great G-Fest was when I'm like, no, 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 let me record. I haven't recorded. So yeah. I got Mark Matsky, <laughs> the man behind the Beta Capsule Review, knocking it out of the park, really just spreading the, the word of Ultraman. And he went to G-Fest. Mark, welcome to Monster Kid Radio. And how was the convention? Oh, man. Well, first of all, thank you. It's so great to to be on with you Derek and to actually get to talk to you G-Fest was a, a total rush you know I, I feel like for three days I'm on a adrenaline jag and then I crash <laughs> <laughs> but it is just it's that exciting and and it was even more so this year because for two years there was no G-Fest after 20 plus years of consecutive meetings uh, it was off and 2020, you know, was a real blow, but you kind of saw it coming. 21 was a heartbreak because you kind of entertained the idea that it might happen and then it didn't. Mm -hmm. So this year it was, you know, people were just ready to get back together because as much fun as it is and all the things that we'll talk about tonight, uh, it's such a blast and, and just pure, you know, pure imagination and fun. It's also a reunion of sorts, 
you know, because like, for example, our first G fest was in 2009. Um, that means this was our 12th G fest. And after a while it becomes a family reunion of sorts where you just are looking for certain people that you've gotten to know throughout the years. So with the two year, really the three calendar years off, people were so, you know, just ready to get back together and, and have a Godzilla party. And <laughs> that's what happened. That's exactly Ain't what no happened. Party like a Godzilla party. Yep. There you go. <laughs> Godzilla party don't stop. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear what you're saying though, about like the family reunion vibe. Cause that's what happens at monster bash too, is, is right. you end up, you go for like the Godzilla or the monsters or whatever, but it really becomes more of a like a community experience with these people who have, for better or worse, become family. Mm -hmm. And you've been mm -hmm. going since what you say, two thousand nine. Two thousand nine. Yeah, and my son Andy was between his kindergarten and first grade year. Oh, well, he grew up the there. First, oh. He did grow up there, and people have you know watched his progress from year to year, of course, and with. With social media and things, they have more, they're more in touch with him uh, than just once a year. But even so, uh, it, it's just been phenomenal to see. And when what I've noticed, you know, is when you have a little fan, like six, seven, eight years old, these old school Godzilla guys really go out of their way to like foster the next generation and do special things to make their experience really memorable. And we've We've been on the receiving end of that so much, and now we get to be on the giving end of it because uh, my wife is actually on staff of G-Fest in charge of the children's craft and coloring areas and making sure that they have a place for them to go and have their own fun. So that's something that we now do year in and year out is there's this little place, it's called Minya's Place. And Minya's Place is the arts and crafts for kids section of G-Fest. And it's open Friday and Saturday. This year we did it on Sunday as well. And it's just so much fun to go down and see, you know, like these these young kids and their moms, their dads, and they're um, coloring pictures. They're making masks. They're making like the um, lunch bag puppets of Godzilla and Gigan and Mechagodzilla. And, you know, that, that resonates with me so strongly because I was one of those kids, you know, that grew up in school when you're supposed to be paying attention. You're instead, you're drawing, you know, Godzilla week was coming up on TV. So you were drawing all the fights that you knew you were going to get to see. And uh, so to see that coming around full circle is super rewarding. That's awesome. I, I've never been. I've always had to live vicariously through uh, you and your posts and the your various podcasts over the years, uh, the Kaiju yeah. cast, other podcasts going and that sort of thing. So I've never had a chance to actually go. So for those of you who have never been, or for the listeners who have never been to G Fest, but may have been to other things like Monster Bash or whatever, how would you compare the experience? Yeah, the, the G Fest experience, I think, is unique in a couple ways and i was actually i was thinking about this today the one of the ways that it's unique is that um there's multiple things happening almost at every moment so that you have various threads or tracks throughout the entire weekend where of course there's panels 
there's typically two sets of panels happening at any one time. So you're forced to choose. Oh no. And that's a big, yeah, that's a big difference between like G-Fest and Bash, for example, is I, I kind of like the simplicity of Bash in the sense that there's typically one thing happening at any one time. And yeah, of course you can go out and meet with the guests. You can go into the dealer's room if you want, but there's, you know, just one talk happening and then the one film is being shown. But at G-Fest, you are forced into deciding what matters to you most at any one point in time because there's there's multiple panels happening. Oh, no. There's films being shown throughout the day. Oh, no. Both. Yeah, you're right. And uh, then there is an entire modeling thread where if you're really into like these garage kits or building up like the Aurora models, for example, there's entire threads you can spend all day talking to people who are excellent at this and giving you tips on how to build up a cool diorama or oh. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's happening. Then there's also like Minya's place that I mentioned. If And you just need some time to chill and you're a parent, you take your kid down there and you can just sort of sit in the quiet and that that's going on. And of course, then there's the dealer's room, which is even in the even in the internet era, there's something about walking into a dealer's room with all of those figures and posters and merchandise that you you've dreamed of or you've seen online, and it's all there spread out in front of you. I mean, it's overwhelming. And and Andy, uh, my son, said that he overheard um, some. It was a fairly young kid, probably 10, 12 years old walking into the dealer's room for what sounded like the first time. And he made a comment like, Oh, you know, I am in Godzilla heaven. <laughs> and he just kept repeating that phrase. And it really does feel like that. I mean, it's, it's astonishing and, and things that you know exist and some things you never knew existed until you see them there uh, by one of one of the vendors just happens to have this or that collectible. And it's, it's so much fun. And you know, it's you can easily blow a ton of money in there, but a lot of the vendors also have, you know, real affordable five and ten dollar figures because they know yeah, you know, they want kids to go in there and be able to buy something and enjoy themselves. And so they're they're ready for that G Fest crowd. So um I think that that's one of the, the biggest things is that and what I've noticed then in following a lot of friends on Facebook and so forth is that everyone sort of constructs their own G-Fest and not one looks the same as the other. Because like my interest is usually the panels and the films. And I'll go down to the model room and look at models that people have built, but I'm not spending a ton of time down there. But then you look at somebody else's G-Fest and they were, they were watching the fan-made films and they were in the model room a lot. And they were, you know, just off doing some of the other things that... Uh, you have at your disposal there and that was it's just cool to see how you sort of build your own experience um and at the same time i think one of the things that makes g-fest really inviting is the fact that it's totally totally fan run fan organized which makes it very user friendly and it, there's no standoffishness or even like a corporate feel like like at a Comic-Con, for example, where you're just there to get an autograph and you stand in this massive line and then you're done. 
that's your experience. This is G-Fest is honest to goodness, a place where you could go and say, you know, what would really be fun would be to do a panel about Godzilla versus Megalon. And we're going to talk about the various parts of that movie. If you were to approach the people who organize G-Fest, almost without exception, they would say, sure, we'll make room for that next year. You know, give me a write-up on it and we can do it. So it's very much by the fans for the fans. And it's very user-friendly and just friendly in general. And, and that was our experience from the very get-go. Uh, there's, a, there's a whole element of the, co the convention called G-Fans Helping G-Fans. And there's certain families that have been attending G-Fest for a long time. And they have some profound issues in their families that um, require a lot of medical expenses and things. And this is a way of helping them out in a fun way. Wow. Like, uh, yeah, uh, David Nunes is in charge of that. Great guy. He's one of the first people we met at our very first G-Fest. And he just solicits people to donate items, which are then auctioned off throughout the weekend in various ways. And uh, that money helps to go defray the costs for these families and their ongoing needs that they have. So there's also, a, you know, a very helpful element to it as well. And it's just, it, it it's getting big enough where it's, it's a lot to handle, but it, it's still a very homegrown con. And I really, I adore that. I, I just think that there's something really authentic about it still. And I, I think that'll always be there. Yeah, Monster Bash is pretty much one track in your... If you want yeah. to do everything, you can do everything. Uh, another mm -hmm. convention that I talk a lot about here on the show, the Lovecraft Film Festival, is more like what you're describing, where you've got three different screens going, you've got panels going in another building, so you, you really yeah. have to kind of decide. And it used to be, at least with the Lovecraft thing, if you did it just right and you went all three days, you could see everything. Movie-wise, mm -hmm. anyways. And yeah. then they started doing panels, and they're like, yeah, now it's whatever. But, yeah. Sure. That's, that's kind of the fun, though, for me, for Lovecraft, anyway, is, is going through and figuring out, okay, what am I going to go see? What am I going to go do? And I almost always go do the panels more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Because the movies I can eventually see somewhere else. Yeah. And the panels and the live experiences, you can't recreate that at home on Netflix mm -hmm. or Amazon Prime. Although you said something a second ago that caught my interest. Fan films? Oh, yeah. Is this, is yes, this a big a whole... thing? Is this a thing in the kaiju community? Yeah, oh. it, it really is. And it's it's all over the map in terms of like being tied into studios and access to certain like costumes and sets. It, it, they're... There was one very famous one in, in the kaiju community anyway, a couple of years ago where it was Godzilla versus the Wolfman. I'm familiar with that. This was, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so the, the guy who put that all together actually came to G-Fest. He's from Japan and, uh, and showed it. And it was such a big deal because it was something that had been whispered about, you know, for a long time that it may or may not exist. And he brought it and showed it and it just, the, the place went wild over it but you know it, there's a whole it, it's a contest it, it's called a contest but it really is a forum for people to show the kaiju films that they make 
And it, it, when I say it's a spectrum, it really is a spectrum. I mean, it's everything from almost access to Toho level costumes oh. all the way all the way down to like uh, you know 10 11 year old guys making uh films with their bandai figures stop motion <laughs> you know and, and everything in between and that that reminds me then as i say that a thread that i haven't even mentioned yet is called dojo studios and what dojo studios is is a year in year out um recreation of the filmmaking techniques that were used in our favorite Godzilla films to make G-Fest oriented short films. And a lot of those are on YouTube. If you look up Dojo Studios, uh, costumes are, are constructed meticulously. Um, the, the scale sets are built. And that's all stuff that just the rank and file guy like me can go in and watch them work on these projects for a little while and dojo studios then also becomes sort of the epicenter for the costume contest which is sort of the the ultimate it's the climax of every g-fest basically it's held on the saturday night of the weekend and people and bring their costumes that they've worked on in some cases for years and they they have the opportunity to come in be seen by everyone that's all gathered around for this. And this year's estimate is that it was nearly pro somewhere probably between four and 5,000 people jammed into this ballroom and you have elaborate suits that look photo real. Like they walked right out of Godzilla versus Biollante. That was one of the Godzilla suits this year, all the way down to a little girl who was dressed and who looked it almost exactly like Gia from Godzilla versus Kong. Oh, wow. right down to right down to the little Kong doll that she was holding and brought the house down. You know, and it was not an elaborate costume, but it was just so faithful to what's in the movie that people it was you could hear like an audible gasp when she walked in because it was like Gia stepped out of the movie and was walking among uh the people in the ballroom and it's just one of those awesome moments that people will be talking about i think for a long time she she actually won one of the entries i think it was like um child entry adult made costume and she should have because it was just um breathtaking to see that wow um i had <laughs> i i had heard a little bit about like the costume contest but i had no idea that there yeah. was like fan films and things like that too wow oh right oh wow mm-hmm I, yeah. I'm fascinated by, and I've told this story kind of a, sort of on the podcast. I'm fascinated by this, this, um, I don't know what you'd call it, this, this subsect or, or this, this subgenre in classic monster movies where the kaiju fans just, just celebrate these movies. It's not something that I grew up loving. When I got into classic monster movies, mm -hmm. my love for kaiju didn't really come into to form really until I saw uh, King Kong versus Godzilla hosted by Kyle from the mm -hmm. Kaiju cast up here at the Hollywood theater. And, you know, I suppose that's the best way to see it is theatrically. You know, if you're going to yeah, really absolutely. dive into it, you know, 35 millimeter yep. print introduced by somebody oh, who clearly yeah. loves it the way that, well, mm -hmm. I now love it too. And from there, I just you know, mainlined all the Godzilla movies and the camera <laughs> yeah. movies. And then all the non Toho, non diet 
movies. I love the thing from uh, the extra matter space. The extra matter space is one of my absolute favorite mm-hmm. kaiju films, and that's some other studio altogether. I just, yeah. I, I am so in love with it now, but I will never have that experience having grown up loving it. So it sounds like if I want to see that, since I couldn't live it, it's to go to G Fest and you see yeah. all ages, young people getting into it. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, that, that is a major difference between Bash and G Fest too. And it's not to say there's one versus the other, because I love them oh, both. Oh, sure, sure. And for all, for each for their own reasons, but it just it just seems to me that Godzilla and Kaiju in general, um, the who you see at G Fest are kids and families. I mean, there's certainly old, old the old guard, uh, which I'm among now uh, somehow. But uh, <laughs> you see just a lot of these 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 kids, you know, and and now it's because of Legendary, and they're sort of backfilling into the Toho series. But, you know, it, it's grabbed people at various times and ways. I mean, Godzilla 98, for all the things we could say about that movie, brought in uh, a generation of fans. Before that, it was, you know, Hanna-Barbera Godzilla. But there's, oh, wow. there's something yeah. about, you know what I mean? But there's every every generation, there's kids who just, it resonates with them really on a deep level and they just love it i mean it's and it's so encouraging i mean when i was like about two or three years into going to g fest something that i experimented with was a kids thread like for and and that sort of that turned into minia's place after a while but i i would get had four panels like half hour panels just for kids and one of them i was going right through the whole Godzilla series just sort of talking about each movie and what I discovered very quickly is that there were eight nine ten year old kids who knew just as much about those films as I did if not more and it just left me feeling like you know what this fandom is in good shape for the future because these kids love these movies love this character and are reacting to it in their own ways whether that's artwork building costumes or making little movies with their iPhones. I mean, they'll, they'll show you these things that they're working on and it's just, it's inspiring. And, and to see all the kids who have this sincere interest is, is a special thing, you know, for Godzilla fans like us. And you see that at G Fest, like nowhere else that I know of. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and to be clear, uh, to kind of confirm what you were just saying there a second, Mark, I don't think you are saying one's better than the other. I, and I, mm-hmm. I don't want anybody to take that away from this conversation because y'all know right. I love the bash. Uh, the monster bash is very special to me. Uh, one of these days I'll get back to it when you know finances and the endemic is over and all that. You know, I'll get there someday. I've never been to Chief Fest and I've always wanted to go. And now I want to go even more just talking to you over the past 20 minutes. You know, I can, I'm yeah. hearing this. It's a completely different experience that, that could complement mm-hmm. one another with, oh man. And yeah. oh, man, the idea of fan films, dude, <laughs> I, yeah. I love that stuff. And, and listeners know this. And I show things on the stream too. The, 
the DIY aesthetic of the the fan films and the independents and the wannabe filmmakers. I used to think I'd be a filmmaker when I grew up. I haven't said that what in like a week, you know. <laughs> and I'm getting back into it. You know, making a documentary now. It's not mm-hmm. kaiju related, but now I'm kind of wondering: Do I need to make a kaiju movie? Because apparently there's yeah. an audience for it. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I guess right. And speaking of audiences, one thing that I haven't even mentioned yet to sync the hook even deeper uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> is um, there's really two locations for G-Fest. One is the conference hotel and conference center. And the other is the Pickwick Theater in Park Ridge, Illinois, okay. which was built in the 1920s. It's a grand old movie palace, but it's been retrofitted in, in some wonderful ways with modern digital projection, awesome sound, and um, just over the last 10, 12 years, they've taken all the old rickety seats out and put in more comfortable seating. So it's just the perfect place to see kaiju films. Because what I'm reminded of again and again, year in and year out, is that these movies in particular were meant to be seen on a, the biggest screen possible. Oh, yeah. And it just comes through so clearly uh, as you're sitting there. And it what multiplies sort of the the whole experience is you're watching this with other G fans who when the Toho symbol comes up at the beginning of the film, people burst into wild applause and and cheers. And then as the credits roll, names come up like Akira Takarada, cheers, you know, Ishiro Honda, cheers, Eiji Subaraya, cheers and applause. And you just feel like, oh my goodness, you know, I am I am at home among my people, and uh, it's so much fun. It, it really is. And you know, sometimes this is even ref- this was reflected in the program book. You, people may see some things online about this year's screening of Godzilla versus Kong. You know, there is the modern impulse to sort of go MST or riff tracks yeah. on these movies, yeah. and, and sort of a. And there's a place for that. And I, you know, you know me and I, I have nothing but love for MST 3k sure. and riff tracks. I love what they do. That could be a show in itself, but this is sort of loud, obnoxious attention for its own sake, sort of riffing. And in some cases, um, skirting the line of what's appropriate for an audience that could have eight, nine, and 10 year old kids in it. So that was a little bit of a problem this year at the Godzilla versus Kong screening, but you know, not enough to ruin my enjoyment of it. And you know, Andy's 19 at this point. So that's not as much of a, a, an issue for me as a parent, but, um, anyway, it, it, it's just fun. I mean, the sort of the penultimate experience of that, I think is still on YouTube if people want to, to watch it um, three years ago when Godzilla King of the Monsters was shown, the legendary film. Um, the closing credits of that has um, Go, Go, Godzilla, you know, the Blue Oyster Cult yes. song. Mm-hmm. Um, there Goes Tokyo. Uh, that plays sung by uh, not Blue Oyster Cult, oh, but another singer. I forget who did it, but yeah. yeah. Serge Tanky. Tankjin. I'm I'm not great with that name, but it's um 
system of a down yeah i think is the lead singer think, yes yeah yeah you are so yeah right. I, i'm sorry I, I i don't know but um anyway that turned into the world's loudest sing-along like if you imagine hundreds of rabid g fans singing go go godzilla at the top of their lungs that exists on youtube if you haven't seen it you should go see it that that symbolizes for me the g fest experience in total uh because it's just the joy of i'm with a group of people who loves this stuff like really authentically loves it and it's just a it's there's nothing else to compare it to really I will go look for that, listeners, and uh, yeah. if I can find it, of course, link in the show notes. Got yeah. to gotta see that. So you said you did panels this year. What were some of the panels you went to? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, there were some really great ones. Um, on Friday, I went to a panel. It was hosted by Brian Schersel, who is the host of Kaiju Vision Radio podcast. Okay. And... And this was on uh, the title that was Godzilla and the Japanese National Spirit. Oh. Uh, and, and what it was especially in reference to was Shin Godzilla. Because there's been, you know, some people have seen that movie, uh, either the subtitled version or the dub version, and they felt that it was making sort of a, a nationalist statement, you know, that mm. Japan should should go back to having an active military and arming themselves and, and handling their own business in the world. And what Brian Scherzel did in this panel is show that really Shin Godzilla was not about that as much as it was about a March of 2011 and the, uh, the cascading events of the, the earthquake, yeah. the tsunami, mm-hmm. and then the Fukushima disaster. And that what Shin Godzilla is is sort of a, a replaying of that and letting people sort of work through their feelings about not just the disaster, but how the government handled it. And it was really fascinating because he was able to articulate some things that I had thought about, but certainly not to the extent that he had, and uh, and did a great job, I think, of demonstrating that um, that movie was such a huge hit with the Japanese public precisely because it allowed them to process what they had gone through in that disaster. And when you watch the movie now that way, it's like, oh yeah, of course, you know, it's because you have the disaster is evolving just as Godzilla evolves through Shin. Mm -hmm. And um, how do we respond to it? how much do we want America to be involved in that response? How much do we need them to be? So it was really an enlightening panel, and and it got a really good audience response as well. A lot of good questions and answers. Right on. Uh, did you like speaking of which? Did you like Shin Godzilla? I did. Yeah, I'm I a did. huge fan. Yeah, I was so. fortunate. Yeah, when it was in theaters in 2016, I was fortunate to go. And I just loved it. I was blown away. I felt like, in a way that I really couldn't describe, I felt like it harkened back to the original, which I love. But it was also completely modern. And because, in part, because it was just Japan and Godzilla comes and he destroys things. And how how do you deal with that? That's um, it, it had some parallels to the original that I really appreciated. But... It, in modern 4k you know yeah. and uh 
and the the incredible graphics. I like the design. You know, not many Godzilla movies have unnerved me, but the scene where Shin Godzilla basically, you know, incinerates Tokyo, where he breathes out that the fume first and then has that ultraviolet ray. Yeah. I was like, this is this is really something. I mean, this is bothersome. And that, I like that. I like the the reaction that that gave me. So that was that was a really insightful, good panel to start things off with. Right on. Um, uh, yeah. On Saturday, then uh, I did. I went to a panel that was called Akira Takarada: His Life, Career, and Legacy. Uh, Akira Takarada passed away in March of this year, and so that gave this panel, uh, which was designed specifically to sort of memorialize Takarada, a very re- emotional response for G-fans, um, not simply because of the role that Takarada has played since the original film, but because uh, Kira Takarada became known as the godfather of G-Fest uh, <laughs> because, he, because he came for the first time in 2010. Okay. And uh, by all accounts, was absolutely blown away by the fan response here. I mean, he, he had a sense of what was coming, but he didn't really have a sense of what was coming because he was utterly embraced. We were there for that particular G-Fest. And it was just so stunning to see Akira Takarada like right there. And uh, the people just overwhelmed him with love. And he went home from that G-Fest talking to everyone who's ever been in a Godzilla film or worked on a Godzilla film saying, you've got to go to G-Fest. If you have the opportunity, you will not believe how they treat you when they come here. So he returned three times, I believe. He was instrumental in getting people like Ben oh, Furia to come nice. and, and other like old school Japanese stars. And, um, not only that, but G-Fest also has had a G-Tour where they take a group of people over to Japan. And it's, it's almost single-handedly, it is single-handedly because of Akira Takarada, that that G-Tour was able to get into Toho Studios, oh, no. <laughs> meet people who had worked on the films, and he got Toho Studios to open their prop vault so that the people on that tour were able to hold the actual oxygen destroyer used in the film in their own hands. And that's because of that's because of the experience that Takarada san had at his first and succeeding G Fest. So this panel was both a retrospective on his career, which was an amazing career and it far exceeded just his kaiju roles, but he was a great singer great live entertainer and he also did a ton of voiceover stuff he akira takarada was the voice of jafar in aladdin in the disney movie he did the voiceover oh, wow. for the, the the villain i didn't know that in disney's aladdin yeah as well as uh the voice of a uh, force sensitive creature in uh star wars the clone wars huh. or star wars rebels star is rebels okay but anyway <laughs> It was that panel was done by Martin Arlt, 
who is the editor of Mad Scientist, yep. the fanzine. Mm-hmm. And he's the panel's organizer for G-Fest also. And uh, he said ahead of time, because I was talking to him before it all started, he's like, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Because he and his wife, Pam, took Akira Takarada around Chicago before it, they showed him the sights mm. before the first G-Fest. They took him to Wrigley Field. They took him to the Hancock Building in Chicago. And he was, I mean, on the verge of tears throughout this presentation, but held it together enough. And the thing that I haven't mentioned yet is that some of the special guests this year were Akira Takarada's son and daughter. And so they were overwhelmed throughout the presentation, visibly moved to tears a number of times and sitting in the front row. So Martin saw them reacting. It was just an emotional thing, but it was something I think that was really needed by this community in order to mourn his passing, because this was our opportunity to do it. And Martin did a a phenomenal job of um, saying everything that needed to be said. Wow. That sounds, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a little moved thinking about it myself. I never, having never been to G Fest, never really had an opportunity to interact with any of the buddy that they had brought him from Japan. He was always somebody mm-hmm. I wanted to interact with and you know, never had an opportunity to do so. so. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. He was, he truly was, I mean, the godfather of G Fest in the sense that, um, his, his embrace of the fans and his, the time and attention that he would give to anyone, whether he was signing at his table or if he was just walking around the convention, I mean, he would, I have a picture I'll show you. It's blurry. It was taken on a really old phone. But that first year, 2010, Andy was standing on the end of a row. And as as Akira Takarata came by, he picked Andy up in his arms and like lifted him up and sort of swung him around. And I got a picture of that as it was happening. And and I, I showed that this year to his son and daughter just to say, look at the, look at the man that your father was to us. It, it's just, you know, it gives me chills right now to even remember it and talk about it. Um, that, that's how moved he was by the reception that he received here. And, and, I, and, you know, you put yourself in his shoes to be greeted that warmly, you would, it's not something you would really expect, I don't think. And I, I really hope that it was a special part of his life here and like the, the latter dozen years of his life. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. I don't know how to segue out of that, but, uh, I know. <laughs> um, Mad Scientist Magazine, by the way, folks, uh, I, Monster Kid Radio approves. It's a, great magazine i don't know if there's, i don't think i've picked up the most recent one actually i don't know where they are right now in terms of what's available but they do a lot mm-hmm. of kaiju content and uh, the current issue is a kaiju cover so go check it out kaiju cover by jeff zorno that's cool oh yeah who uh, does great work as well so mm-hmm. very cool so you did those two yeah, panels any 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 other highlights did or it? anything or oh yeah yeah um one of the special guests this year, uh, one was Tomoko Ai, who was Katsura in Terror of Mechagodzilla, the cyborg. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, woman. Um, 
it's our that's her second visit to G Fest, and she's she's great. Everybody loves her. She likes being there. Um, just a, a radiant presence at G Fest. Still, you know, all these years later, um, the first time guest to the conferences here was uh, Hiroyuki Kawase, who was Kenyano in Godzilla vs. the Smog Monster and uh, Roku-chan from Godzilla vs. Megalon. He was the little boy in both of those. Okay. Now he's grown up. He's no longer in entertainment or acting. He's a pilot for Japan Air. Oh. But he was there to talk about his experiences as a child actor in Godzilla vs. Uh, the Smog Monster and and. Godzilla versus Megalon. So that was a lot of fun. He was interviewed by Ed Godshashevsky, uh, who has done a lot in the Godzilla community and most recently uh, partnered with Steve Rifle on a wonderful Ishiro Honda biography. Uh, but he's done a ton of audio commentary. He had the uh, fanzine Japanese Giants as well. Okay, But it was so much fun uh, to listen to uh, Hiroyuki Kawase talk about his experiences as a child actor because it's not something that he was all that comfortable with doing, which was an interesting facet of his conversation. Um, you know, his his parents enrolled him basically in an acting troupe and made and got him some jobs, and uh, he was actually on um, not only in these kaiju movies but he was on an episode of uh, ultraman or return of ultraman okay. and also then uh in a kurosawa film believe it or not a dodeskaden he was in that particular movie uh it's kind of a, a, a strange kurosawa movie it's sort of set in a junkyard is sort of a summary of it and he was a little boy in that and he was he finally left acting not long after being in the Godzilla films just because he wanted to be a normal kid and go to school with his friends and just be regular. <laughs> That's what he did. So he has this. So I guess the interesting thing about that is where all of us see those movies and think that'd be the ultimate thing <laughs> to be in an Ultraman episode or to be in a Godzilla film. For him, it was a job. And the people were nice to him, but he would really have rather been in school just being a normal kid with his friends. But I think now he, seeing how much we appreciate what he did and how we all sort of live vicariously through him as a kid gives him a new perspective on it. And uh, he's all smiles when he was there. And I think enjoying the turn that this has taken for him. Really cool. Oh man! <laughs> I gotta get to G Fest, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You do. I, I. We need to make this happen. It has to happen because I think you would be. You'd have the smile on your face all weekend, like everybody else does, because it's really such a an awesome experience. You know, one other thing I wanted to tell you about yeah. is the panel um, behind the Kaiju Curtain which you know, the recent book by Norman England was about his experiences there in Japan being on set at Toto, Toho Studios. Uh, Ed Gotshashevsky again, as well as Matt Burkett, interviewed 
Norman who was being Skyped in from Japan. So what that meant is that Norman was able to show us all the pictures that he wasn't able to put in the book. So you had all of these books or all of these pictures and photos that he took on set, even little short clip movies of what it's like to be on the set at Toho while scenes are being filmed of Godzilla versus Baragon, for example, and explosions are happening and, and he's getting to know the Japanese cast. And those are, those are photos that really will probably not be shown anywhere else, but because it was G fest, he showed them and it was just phenomenal. And Andy and I were kind of, we were sitting next to each other during that kind of pinching each other the whole time. Like, can you believe that we're seeing this? I mean, because it's, it's what you imagine in your mind when you read the book, but there's really a, a very minuscule amount of, of photographs in the text of the book. And this is what you would see if there were. And it's just, uh, it, again, it's one of those completely unique experiences um, that if you're at G-Fest, you're, you're able to have that for just a, an hour or so and it's it's just incredible yeah i should say this too the um the films that were shown this year uh thursday before things get started thursday is a day unto itself it's a double double feature at the pickwick uh, so there's two films in the afternoon two films at night and so the two films in the afternoon were godzilla versus a smog monster and godzilla versus megalon in honor of uh, Kawase being there and the evening films that were shown in memory of Akira Takarada were the original Godzilla uh, of 1954 and Godzilla versus the sea monster uh, in which Takarada plays a major role as um, sort of this thief that's hiding out on a boat and these teenagers sort of bust in and they take they start sailing on the boat and everything goes wrong and that that role in particular shows Takarada like charming but sort of a, a he can play the bad guy but he has a heart of gold and it was just uh, just a lot of fun and then the the evening movies Friday night was Godzilla versus Kong Saturday night was Terror of Mechagodzilla they just a really great lineup this year. Right I am going to have to go. Oh, man. So what kind of swag did you walk away from? Did you pick up anything? Cool? Oh, wow. Uh -oh. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't not almost. Um, boy, this year, there's a, there's a style of figure that I really love and Andy really loves too. And they're, um, they're by the, the company M1. And they're not, they're not like the photorealistic figures like X pluses are that look like they've walked right out of the film. But M1s are sort of impressionistic, a lot of bright colors and uh, cool designs, like not quite deformed, but sort of deformed. And uh, we found, I found a set that was, uh, had an Ultraman, like a six to eight inch figure. M1 and uh, 
some of the other Ultra Q characters oh, wow. okay. are in there, including Derek Aragon. Nice figure. Yes. Yes. That was a, uh, if there were any white whales on our list, that was one is we really wanted to find Aragon and we finally did. And so that was, that was an accomplishment <laughs> for us. Um, the other thing that I like picking up because they're, generally reasonably priced are a lot of the books that dealers bring okay um and they're just like and nice little hardcover numbers that go through certain godzilla suits and actors and things and those are just fun to have um let's see what else well there's the g fest t-shirt of course you know like for that year's fest you have to get that yeah and uh <laughs> Um, I don't like, oh, there's a, there's a whole line of DVDs that, uh, Toho produced in these larger boxes. And really the selling point for those is the fact that they're packed with reproduction posters. So like the one that I got was Godzilla versus the sea monster because we had just seen that movie. So it has a a real nice reproduction of the actual movie poster it has like the the speed versions or those long narrow posters of the Mysterians, and it has a replica of like a a memory book that you would have gotten if you were in Japan when that movie first came out. And these are the the dealers really do you, you know, a solid on these because they sell them for like twenty to twenty five dollars. So you're getting all of that extra bonus material plus a DVD. And the DVD is Japan region, but if you have a region free player, it doesn't really matter. And to me, it's worth it for the the ephemera stuff anyway, because I just love that stuff. And it, oh, and there also in that, there was a manga, and I don't even know what the manga is called, but it's like this um, investigator, little manga investigator guy investigating mothra and oh. it's set like in the mothra movie but it's it's just a, a story unto itself you know and it's like you know probably 24 pages and it's just so cool it's just a replica of some old mothra manga that and you'd never get your hands on something like that except in the a pack like that so that those are some of the highlights i think for me I think I know the answer to this, especially considering some of the uh, merch you just described. Yeah. G-Fest, G, Godzilla. But it sounds like there's room for more than just the Toho stable. Is there a good Ultraman presence here? Oh, yeah. it's. I would say it is probably a large to extra large presence of Ultraman. I mean, that's... Uh, and that, of course, that's... That's a thrill to me. I mean, the years where uh, Ben Furia came, it was just mind blowing because you know he's the he's the man, he's the guy in the suit, and then he's uh, Amagi on Ultra Seven, and and he's kept his shape throughout the years. Yeah. So so he wore one year uh, he wore his Ultra Seven suit. Oh wow! You know his his Ultra Guard suit was what he came to the opening ceremonies in. 
And it was just astounding because I mean, we just looked not different at all from when the time you know, that he had come. Um, oh, and there was the year where Hiroko Sakurai was there, you know, our, our Fuji was there uh-huh. in person. And, you know, I, there, I, as cool as you try to be in meeting these people who have been in the films, like Linda Miller is another one who stands out, who is in King Kong Escapes. Hiroko Sakurai, when I went to get her autograph, I mean, I was just dumbstruck. <laughs> I would, I, I don't know if I was trying to form words, but nothing was coming out. I just, you know, you, you say who the, the autograph is to, and I was able to make that out, but all the other things I wanted to say just got, I don't know, they vanished. Because <laughs> there was Fuji, you know, it was, it was crazy. Um, so yeah, there is a, you know, of course, you know, the, the, the tying link there is the, the great honor and respect for A.G. Subaraya and all that he did, sure. you know, and all of these knowledgeable fans that are there know that if you like and appreciate Godzilla and, um, Ultra Q, Ultra Man, those series, um, that's all birthed from the same source. And, you know, as you and I know, to the degree that those actors sort of go interchangeably between those productions and, uh, you know, the the suits and the sounds and everything make the jump from Toho to Subaraya and just naturally. So, yeah, it's it's so cool to see. Uh, There's always ultra kaiju and ultramen in the costume contest year in year out in the model section there same thing as a ultraman is it, it's it's not you fest but it, it could be it's okay. to that level yeah that's good to hear because uh you know me i love me some some ultraman yeah <laughs> yeah for sure for sure yeah it's it's fantastic Oh man, I gotta go someday. Yes. Oh man. All right. Well, yep. um, we've been chatting for about fifty minutes or so. I want to go ahead and start wrapping up. Any final words about G Fest before we uh, move on here? Sure. Well, I would just say if this is something that anyone's on the fence about, or they've wanted to do it for a long time, just never got around to it. I just want to encourage you to to do what you need to do and and go to one if not go to the whole thing at least try to go for a day and see what it's like and i think what you'll find is just a, an absolutely inclusive and welcoming community there's a spot for you at gfest because uh, everyone loves uh, these characters and these films as much as you do and um just just give it a try i mean my story of how I got to G-Fest is, is so roundabout and so funny. You know, I started, as Andy was growing up, I started getting back into Godzilla because uh, for a while, you know, adult life sort of looms large. But as he's growing up, you know, that's certainly one thing I wanted to ex- expose him to was Godzilla films and so forth. 
So I, I checked a book out of our local library. It was Sean Lincolnback's Price Guide to Collectibles. And in the back of that, I learned about a magazine called G-Fan. I'd never heard of that before. So I went online. Sure enough, it was still going. I ordered a copy of G-Fan, some back issue. And in that, in that issue of G-Fan, I heard tell of this conference called G-Fest. I thought, seriously, that's a thing? And I, I learned about it and just sort of one year said, I think we should make this a family vacation and just see what happens, see what it's like. And we just had no idea what we would experience when we got there. And it's like I said, at the top of the show, now it's a family reunion. It really is that. And it's, it's a special thing. It really is a unique thing. And I, if, it, if you like Godzilla at all, if you really love Godzilla, Toho, and Ultraman, you really need to give G-Fest a try because I think you will. it'll become part of your life in a way that you did not expect. So please do that. And check out G-Fan Magazine as well. Wonderful resource for fans. And if you do go, look for Mark. And... Uh... I don't know. There needs to be like a, a secret handshake or something, a shawachi yeah. or something, you know, something, some sort of, yeah. some sort of secret, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Well, I was sporting, I think you saw this. I was sporting my Monster Kid radio pin all week <laughs> on my G Fest badge. So oh. people know, you know. Well, I appreciate that. People know the connection. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Thank you. The Classic Five. All right, Mark. Well, you know I'm not going to let you get out of here without playing around with the Classic Five. You know that, right? Oh, I I was hoping so. Yeah. yeah we got to do it. Sweet. We got to do it. You know. We have to. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. For listeners who don't know, the Classic Five is a game that we play on Monster Kid Radio. I have got a literal deck of cards. Each one of these cards has a this or that. Which movie do you prefer style question on them? There are no wrong answers. It's just a way to get monster kids talking about their favorite subject, monster movies. Some of them are kaiju specific, but I'm not going to draw specifically from kaiju. I'm just going to grab a handful of cards and we'll go from there. What do you say? You ready right. for a round of the classic five? Oh, yes. Yep. All right, here we go. All set. Give me this bunch here, a little shuffle. <laughs> All right, here we go. What character from a classic monster movie? Would you like to have a drink or a meal with? Oh, wow. Okay, let's see. Inspector Krogh from mm -hmm. uh, Son of Frankenstein. Oh, I love that. You know, I last summer I went through all the Son of movies, and that one stuck out to me. And that character in particular is so awesome to me. I love how that, because... Uh, you know, at will goes through so many phases with that character. It's it's hilarious. Like everything from the the dart game to like recounting how the his arm was torn off. I mean, imagine the stories that he would be able to tell. Yeah, over a couple of drinks. <laughs> good point. Good point. Yeah, good call. So all the son of movies. So son of Frankenstein, son of Dracula. I guess son of Kong. Um, yeah, son, son of, of Godzilla. Godzilla. Of course. Yeah. 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 Even this obscure one called Son of Ngaji. Oh, which, wow. Oh, yeah. wow. That one's um, yeah. not as good as some of the others. Um, no. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. A true indie effort. There's a cool story behind it, you know, but yeah, it's fortunately it's, it's on YouTube. 
yeah. still, if people want to watch it, yep. uh, you can. All right, I did not plan this one. I'm just drawing, like I said, I'm just drawing the cards randomly, but here's a kaiju question. <laughs> okay. Kaiju question. Okay. Favorite flying kaiju? Oh. Oh. I am going to say Rodan. I'm going to say Rodan. See, this is why uh, we're friends, because, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I uh, have a new, I, well, it's a, a long, st- long standing appreciation, but having rewatched Rodan not too long ago, I'm just more and more impressed with that film every time I see it. You know, it had a hard act to follow in many ways. Yeah. Coming closely on the heels of the first two Godzilla movies. This is the first big Toho color production. And I think the most telling thing about the quality of that film and that monster is the fact of how much stock footage from Rodan shows up in later Toho monster ROMs (laughs) because it's so good. Yeah. You know, and in, in particular, there's that one scene that shows up in tons of stock footage where there is a department store and it's crumbling and you see people running inside of it. And that, that I just, to this day, I don't know how they were able to do that in 1956 or 57 when they were making that film. And it just gets reused all the time. But Rodan, you know, that, that movie and that, the, the monsters in that, they're, they're tragic characters, really. And the way that ends is, is sad because, you know, Rodan just woke up and flew around and he didn't mean to cause any trouble, but. I think we, we, we identify with all the monsters in that way to one degree or another. That's true. <laughs> yeah. A lot of them did not ask for what happens to them. We just left them alone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We didn't go poking around in somebody's cave or dragging them back <laughs> right. to New York to put on display. You know, not, a lot of heartache would have been avoided. That's it. You know, That's it's it. not their fault. All right. Yeah. Card number three. What classic monster movie needs a prequel? Oh, Wow. Well, uh, you just mentioned Kong. I think a King Kong prequel would be pretty fun. Uh, I know there's been some comic books that delve into that sort of history, but I think uh, uh, like how how did Kong end up the last giant gorilla Ooh, on Skull Island? Good, yeah, would be kind of a interesting story or. Um, yeah, maybe just a, like a Kong family tree, and and the the natives on the island, you know, how how'd they build that wall? <laughs> how long did it take? You know, what what happened? It's an impressive that made them... wall. It, it's yeah. yeah. So I, I I'll go with the Kong prequel. I like it. All right, card number four. Favorite Boris Karloff role. Hmm. Wow. I do, you know, I I would say, of course, uh, Bride of Frankenstein, Frankenstein Monster. Um, I know that he had mixed feelings about talking in the role. Oh, uh, good point. But the, way, but the way that he does it, I think, shows the, the difficulty in doing so. I, I like that role a lot. Um, I, 
this is not my favorite role, but I like the role that he does in the old dark house where he's just the creepy butler guy. He's really good in that time. On yeah. Occasion. Yeah. And, um, is he, is it Pelzig the name of his character in the black cat? Um, or is that Lugosi's uh, character's oh name? Boy. Um, take away my monster kid card here. Oh boy. Um, yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, The Black Cat is a movie I just, I watch. Yep. I wouldn't say regularly, but a lot. You're, you're right. So yeah, it's Pulsic. Yep. It is. Yeah. Yep. So I I would almost go with the Pelzig character as my favorite, just because you see Boris Karloff. I mean, he's minimally made up. It's mostly just him. Uh, his hair is probably done for the movie, but for the most part, it's just... Him and his acting chops and Bela's and their interplay in that and the way that he goes out in that film. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a pretty indelible role. So I'll go with the Black Cat and the Pelsig character. Right on. All right. Final question. Dwight Fry, Renfield or Fritz? Oh, geez. I've heard this one on, <laughs> so on other classic fives. <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm gonna say Renfield. He has more of an uh, arc. Just, he has more of an arc. Yeah, yeah, and uh, just the how he goes for it when he's incarcerated and when he's going after flies, and the the just how he um, the look in his eye. I'll say it that way. You know, it creep that really creeped me out as a kid and it still has the still has the ability to make me really feel like and this guy's all gone you know he's completely he's he's dracula's now and um you know i i, I love i like the fritz character but I'll, I'll go with renfield strong renfield yeah right on well, Mark, this has been awesome. Uh, I'm glad this worked out because now I'm even more confident that you and I need to do an Ultraman Kaiju episode. Ooh, yeah. Got to do yeah. that. Got to do that. You know, I'm going to talk. I want to talk about Red King with somebody. I love Red King so yeah. much. I'm talking about Red <laughs> yeah. King and King Joe and some of so the others. Is, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You you got it. I mean, anytime, you know, the drop of a hat, <laughs> we can do Ultra Kaiju. Oh, man. I would love it. I am. Uh, I have been going back through, uh, I've watched it before, of course, but I'm going back through and I'm watching Ultra 7 with you now through the episodes. Okay. And Wednesday, my cat loves it. Uh, just something about the bright colors and the flashy, flashy or whatever. Yeah. She is transfixed. I put on Ultra 7 and she's got a little <laughs> chair that she sits up on and just will stare at the TV. It's great. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. I love it. That's awesome. That series draws everyone in. I, so I, I good. really, I really believe that, and uh, that's that's so cool. I'm glad. I'm glad Wednesday enjoys it. That gives me a little extra, <laughs> little extra to go on now. So people can hear you on my show every week, but you're busy doing other things as well. Uh, are you doing any podcasts right now, or anything going on with Small Town Monsters? Yeah. Um, I continue to be a co-host of a show called Monsteropolis. That's sort of a, a catch-all show for small-town monsters, which is an independent production company that 
does documentaries about mysteries and monsters and throughout the United States mm-hmm. and the impact it has on their region. Uh, so that that's taking a little bit of a hiatus because that happens when there's productions happening, but that should be coming back here in the very near future. There's just a new um, episode, though, I mean, earlier this month. So there's still yeah, people, stuff for yeah. people to listen to. So. Yeah, it, it, we've really tried to keep it regular. It goes in fits and starts, but um, that, that's a lot of fun. And uh, my son Andy and I have done a show called Sasswhat, which is a, devoted to Bigfoot, Bigfoot cases, and looking at those going from kind of state to state. And that's always going to be something we're adding on to as well. And that you can find those episodes. Old episodes are on uh, all the podcatchers. New ones are on YouTube. And so I'd invite people to check those out. I will make sure there's links to all of that. And then smalltownmonsters.com, the production company that you yeah. and Andy are involved with. Uh, cool stuff. Uh, some of the uh, some of it's available on YouTube. You can watch some of the older documentaries on YouTube, but there's always new right. stuff coming out too. I did not. Yeah. When did that American Werewolves Blu-ray come out? Uh, that just came okay. out, I think, on the 5th of July. So I'm not that far behind. Okay. No, no. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. And the, uh, something brand new, it's only five days old right now as we're talking, is called Sasquatch Unearthed The Ridge. Okay. That's a, that's free on YouTube, and uh, I got to narrate that oh, one. Oh, wow. So I'm okay. pretty excited about it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm working with a guy, Eli Watson, who's part of the production team. We're, we're doing the writing of the narration, and I'm narrating that. And that's going to be episodic so the first episode just came out and that that's talking about weird stuff in southwestern pennsylvania and that's all on small town monsters youtube channel correct yeah link in the show notes of course and then finally i want to mention real quick i know it's a little less than a year away but you can buy your vip tickets now for monster fest 2023 a convention put on by small town monsters that is correct Yes, that's going to be awesome. It's coming up. It's going to be in Canton, Ohio, and we're still announcing uh, guests, but um, just a great list of people, including some podcasters. Uh, The guys from Astonishing Legends are going to be there. I have the honor of emceeing the whole event. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so I get to introduce all these luminaries from the cryptozoology world, and it's you know, it's really surpassing our expectations. Um, you know, like vendor space and stuff is all gone at this point. It's sold out. So now we're just concentrating on getting people uh, to the show. Wow. And there's going to be one of the cool things is um, there's going to be the debut of a new film. I can't say what it is quite yet, but it's going to be at the Canton Palace Theater which is a beautiful movie palace in downtown Canton, Ohio. Monster Bash actually has a program that they run there uh, in August. Uh, This coming August, they're doing the Bela Film Festival at the Canton Palace Theater. That's where we're going to be showing this film. Oh, wow. And then, yeah, yeah. And then Saturday is all of the panel events and the vendors area and stuff like that. But it it has the potential to be uh, uh, kind of a big event. But it's going to be fun, especially for people who enjoy 
Bigfoot and the Unexplained, it'll be right up there, Ali. Oh, how cool is that? Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I, I know that you post a lot of this stuff on Facebook or wherever, but keep me posted. Mm-hmm. I'll make sure that we talk about it here as much as we can and let people yeah. know about it because, you know, the more oh, the great. more monster content out there, the better, you know? And, and yeah. you know, if I can... A monster kid supporting monster kids, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. And there's natural crossover between sure. these groups. It really is. It's fun to it's fun to go to a Bigfoot event and ta- end up talking about Godzilla and Ultraman, and that that happens all the time. For sure, for sure. All right, Mark, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Uh, I know it kind of came together almost spur of the moment, uh, even though we talked about it yeah. before you we went to G Fest. But uh, I appreciate yeah. you taking the time to do this and uh, working with my schedule. Uh, and, and thanks for all that you've done for Monster Kid Radio over the years. It's been really appreciated. So thank you. Oh, man, man. Yeah, well, the pleasure is mine, you know. Long live Monster Kid Radio. This is, <laughs> I love it. I'm a fan. As much as I am contributing to it, I, I listen to it like everybody else and love it. So thank you. The fantastic duel of the century, the most ferocious battle in history. The flesh and blood King Kong fights his most incredible enemy, a 60-foot robot King Kong forged of super steel. King Kong escapes. All new, all thrilling in Technicolor. King Kong battles missiles, monsters, and a King Kong of steel. King Kong escapes. A Toho Company limited picture, a universal release. Monster of is a skyscraper. When he moves, the whole earth quivers and quakes, and an abyss of horror opens up. See these prehistoric beasts emerge from the bowels of the earth after 200 million years to devastate mankind. Supersonic jets cannot catch him. Rockets cannot stop him. Armored tanks are helpless before him. Even guided missiles are powerless. See Rodin destroy a modern city, leveling it to the earth with a killing airstream of his mighty wings. Nothing can stop him. Nothing escapes this monstrous beast of evil. there will be links in the show notes to everything that we talked about on this episode of the podcast the youtube video showing the king of the monsters credits sing-along that mark mentioned at a previous year's g-fest 
the link to the a longer video that Kenny did for all sorts of kaiju content in Famous Monsters of Filmland. That'll be there as well, as well as links to everything that you need to know about Monster Kid Radio. Facebook page and group, Twitter, Reddit, Patreon, Discord, even our Amazon wish list. It's all there. Go check it out over at monsterkidradio.net. You can also find our contact information over there as well, where you can email me at monsterkidradio at gmail.com, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 360-524-2484. Now, I've got some feedback, some voicemails that I've been sitting on. I know I keep saying this, but next week, I promise, I'm going to get to it next week on the show. So there's still time if you have comments about GFest, if you have comments about what we talked about last week, which was Conan, or anything we've talked about in the previous 580 or so episodes of Monster Kid Radio, or you want to tell us about an event coming up in your neck of the woods that you think Monster Kids might be interested in, well, drop me a line. We'll play it and talk about it next week on the show. You know what else we're going to talk about next week on the show? We're going to be visited by Orphaned Entertainments and Time Shifters Podcasts' Christopher Page to talk about the movie Octoman. That's right. We're going to get some Octoman auction. Auction? Action. An Octoman auction. What would... Would you auction off the... You know, I, I don't know where I'm going with that. It's over 100 degrees in my apartment, and I don't have air conditioning. So my brain's a little mushy right now, and I'm eager to just get this out to you so that I can put Wednesday in the car and go somewhere nice and cool for a little while. Probably Beth's place, but anyway. Uh, let's see. Anything else coming up on Monster Kid Radio that you need to know about? Yes, the Monster Kid Movie Club, the movie stream. It happens every Saturday over on Twitch for free at twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. And if you listen to this before July 30th, you're in for a treat because on July 30th, starting at 11 a.m. Pacific for the pre-show, around noon for the movies, we're going black and white. We're taking some classic or not-so-classic monster movies that you know as color films, and we're turning them into black and white. Now, we've done this a couple of times over the years, and I'd like to think that we were one of the first people to do this before other people started posting it on YouTube as well. But Manos, The Hands of Fate, in black and white, that's happening on the stream for free on Twitch, twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. I did say that other people have posted this on YouTube and that sort of thing, and that's true. But what they have not posted on YouTube is, well, one, I did a little bit of fiddling to it. I, I tweaked it and tried to enhance it and made the picture even more intense or crisp or whatever you want to call it. But the biggest part is that you get a conversation going. There's a chat, a live chat going through the entire day. It's the only time I'm ever going to encourage you to talk during a movie. So please join us over there if you can. Again, it's twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. We do something similar on Tuesdays around 3.30 p.m. Pacific is when things kick off over there. And uh, lately we've been doing a lot of cliffhangers, some old school serials. We're going to be showing chapters 8 through 15 of the Batman and Robin serial as well as Adam Man versus Superman. That's happening on this Tuesday, August 2nd. No wonder it's 100 degrees here. We're in the middle of global warming summer. <laughs> anyway. Where was I? Ah, I was about to say thank you for listening again. I appreciate you. I appreciate all of the support, everything that you do for me, whether it's Patreon support, whether it's joining us on Twitch, whether it's just sharing posts on Twitter or Facebook or leaving reviews, wherever you download your podcasts. I don't know if the iTunes store is still a thing, but I know you can download Monster Kid Radio a number of different places. And if you can leave a review for us over there, be much appreciated.
Until next week, remember, Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio, LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio, LLC. Is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Red Tsunami. That is copyright 2022, Daikaiju. You can find the band Daikaiju at daikaiju.bandcamp.com. Check out this EP release as well as the rest of their albums. Or if you're in the Dallas, Texas area on August 22nd, you can check them out, out at three links where they're doing a show. If I was in the area, I'd go. But I'm not, so I'm just saying. If you are, though, you should go. Anyway, my name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Ciao.